Hello there, I'm Patrick Stroke. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions, and we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today I'm joined by Gretchen West, Senior Director at the law firm Hogan Lavelle's in Silicon Valley. Years before the commercial drone industry was taking off, no pun intended, Gretchen was already at the forefront of the unmanned systems industry, advocating on behalf of the global community to reduce the barriers to enable operations and use. Now, Gretchen has been a key speaker and authority on all things drone for the past couple of years and was recently featured at the most current Silicon Valley M&A Forum. Gretchen, welcome to M&A Masters and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Now, the reason why I asked you to come along uh, today and talk to our audience is uh, when we think about drones, I want to go back and compare it to the evolution of the airline industry, which didn't exist until 1914. And that's actually 11 years after the Wright brothers had their first uh, flight uh, ever. And, you know, if we compare that with the drone industry, which didn't really come to our public attention until 2001, and that's when we knew about military drones. And it took more than 10 years later, and the next time the public really heard about drones is when Jeff Bezos was featured on 60 Minutes talking about uh, using drones for delivery, which uh, that was done in 2013. That just seems like yesterday. And the reason why you were featured on uh, the recent Silicon Valley Forum and the purpose of our conversation is to highlight how just out of the blue, an industry we take for granted today just didn't exist uh, not very long ago and in a very short period of time uh, became a wide part of everybody's daily lives, just like the airline industry. And if you're an entrepreneur out there, how can you take advantage of a trend as you see it coming? Because there are a lot of opportunities out, out there for things that didn't exist beforehand. And so we look at the drone situation here, and that's just, you know, uh, another great, our latest example of something from nothing. So before we get into talking about all things drone with Gretchen, uh, Gretchen, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of context and tell us how you got to this point in your career and with drones in particular. Sure. Well, I've been working in the drone and unmanned system space for about 15 years. And back when I first started, I was working for a nonprofit, which my experience is in nonprofit management. I worked for an association that focused on air, ground, and maritime vehicles that were unmanned, and so remotely piloted or autonomously piloted. And back then, it was really all military. And quite honestly, this technology dates back to you know the Vietnam War. Um, some some would even say World War II. So you know a lot of this technology has been was developed decades ago, and it's obviously evolved uh, over the years into kind of more sophisticated military equipment. But, it, but like you said, kind of Jeff Bezos put us on the map from a commercial perspective, but even a lot of the commercial applications that were developing a few years before that. And so I really focus my work now, like, like you know, you said that this is a newer industry. There's lots of challenges. My work is really focused on helping enable this technology because I've, I've seen a lot of the benefits that commercial drone technology can bring to the public and to various industries. And so kind of the work that I focus on is, is really reducing those barriers so that we can see more meaningful expansion of this industry because then we'll see a lot more benefits to all these different various companies and industries. 
You mentioned barriers, and I can imagine there are the logical barriers of technology coming in, but there are other other barriers out there. Why don't you talk about those? Well, I think anyone that's involved with technology understands that the, that policy does not match the pace of technolo- technological development, and it's certainly the case where we're talking about commercial drones. The FAA is the regulatory authority that that manages our airspace, and this is a new this is a new entrant into our airspace. Obviously, we've been flying on commercial aircraft for years, and general aviation has been around for decades. But this is a new entrant. It is much smaller. Uh, in the future, they will be flown autonomously. And so for the FAA to create rules around this this kind of brand new type of vehicle, it's been very challenging. And the rules that are kind of on the books already really relate to commercial aviation. And it doesn't make sense to have the same rules for a, a commercial airline to be implied on a very small, you know, five-pound drone. And so over the last 10 years, actually longer than that, uh, we've been trying to work with the government agencies to help them understand what this technology is. And so where we are today, we still have a lot of regulatory hurdles, but the FAA and the other government agencies have come a very long way in helping kind of enable this technology. Um, but there's there's still a lot of challenges around public perception. There's challenges around privacy. Uh, there's there's just a lot of different challenges, but they're all, they are all uh, things that we can achieve if we work together as an industry. And those are all things that we're working very hard to overcome. It's just but like with any other technology and in, in, in industry, you know, the, the policymaking doesn't match the speed of technology. And we're seeing that very, very clearly in the commercial drone space. I get a sense when we talk about some of the regulatory considerations and how it's trying to keep pace. There are a lot of examples where, particularly with the FDA and, and, and other regulatory bodies, that the regulators kind of work very hard to slow down approval. Uh, that's the opposite, at least from what we read uh, in in periodicals when we're, when we're talking about regulatory issues and autonomous cars. Do you get a sense the FAA and the other you know, the feds are doing what they can to kind of accelerate or facilitate? Are they working with the industry to to try to come up with uh, some good rules? They are, and and they have been for for many years. And I think sometimes the FAA gets a bad rap because they are moving slowly. But you know, their whole mission is to protect the safety of the airspace. I, no one wants to be flying on a commercial airplane and and have an incursion with a commercial drone. I think we've all seen enough news stories about how drones have been flying around airports. So that's the number one priority of the FAA. And I think we all agree that that's a, that's you know something we all have vested interest in. And so it's not a deliberately a slow process, but some of it's just the way rules are written in the government, that it just it takes time to go through um, an interagency process with so many different agencies weighing in. That said, the FAA has said repeatedly, so has the Department of Transportation, that they are very interested in working with industry. They've, they've made a lot of great strides. Their Congress has passed um, now two reauthorization bills that has language around uh, unmanned aircraft systems to enable kind of broader commercial operations. Now it's just a matter of, of getting the the rules in place to to really enable that. Um, and that just, it takes time. But I think we all know that, you know, we've all seen some, some of the benefits of commercial drones, as has the FAA. And I think they all know enforcement is a very difficult challenge. And so rules have to come into place because I, I people aren't going to stop flying drones. Um, they they understand the value of them, and so the rules need to be in place. So the FAA, I think, is moving as quickly as they can 
you know, as an under-resourced agency, in my opinion. Well, it's, it's, it is parallel, I would say, with the autonomous driving because I've never seen regulators more excited than uh, the concept of, of uh, getting drivers off the road and so forth and doing everything they can on that front. So it's encouraging to see that, that government is actually working with that. When we look at the public perception of, of this, and a lot of people have their, what limited views they've seen on using drones for, you know, taking pictures or if they've seen them on TV shows being used uh, in a variety of ways, you know, there's a perception out there. And I would also think with commercial airlines, uh, it took a lot of bravery in the early days to, for somebody to actually think to get on an airplane and fly across the country. Uh, and now there's got to be some kind of courage and some kind of uh, you know, knowledge of, of uses for the drone beyond what people can think right, right off the top of their minds. And you had just referenced the commercial benefits of, of drone usage. Give us a couple of examples on how they're being deployed and what benefits they're bringing to companies or to the, to the public at large. Sure. And there, I mean, there are so many benefits. We could spend, you know, several hours on this call, on this podcast, just talking about the various benefits. But just to, you know, to highlight a few, there's, you know, there's, there's the benefit of saving money. And so, for example, in the oil and gas industry, when a human has to inspect a flare stack, that flare stack has to be shut down which can cost the company up to a million dollars a day. If you're able to use a drone, you don't have to shut down the flare stack and you can use a drone um, with, you know, various sensors to to kind of monitor and inspect that flare stack. That's just one example. Um, there's other examples of how, you know, for example, saving lives and improving safety. So the cell tower industry, you have climbers that carry about 80 pounds of gear and they can they can climb up to or higher than a thousand feet in the air. And you you don't know what changes in weather there will be. Um, and there are climbers that that die every year from climbing these towers. It's a very it's a very dangerous job. And so why not use a drone? You could get it up into the to the inspect the tower in about 20 minutes. And if there's a problem with the tower, then you send the climber up to, to repair whatever needs to be repaired. But otherwise, you've, you've just potentially saved some time and saved lives by doing that. Um, you know, there's so many other industries that are using, using this technology. For example, in the construction world, they have to measure stockpiles. And the way you do that is you have a, a human walking around the pile of whatever it is measuring kind of manually. Well, there's there's technology out there now, a sensor that you can put on a drone and it can map that stockpile and give you those measurements in real time. And so it just it's it's a time savings, it's a cost savings, and it's not replacing the human worker because there are other jobs that have to be done within all of these industries. The the drone is more of a it's a tool to help. Um, you know, we all you mentioned Jeff Bezos and delivery and I think a lot of people kind of snicker a little bit when they hear about delivery. But, you know, I think one of the most important aspects of drone delivery is in the humanitarian area. Lots of companies are developing technology where you can deliver blood from blood banks to hospitals or organs from hospital to hospital for organ transplants. There is testing and there are actual trials going on overseas outside the United States where the regulatory environment might be a little bit easier, where, you know, aid is being brought to people in need. Uh, there's countries, third world countries where drones have flown after natural disaster, delivering water or medicine or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I think, you know, some of those use cases really kind of open up the door for 
delivery, whether it's consumer delivery, business to business delivery, or humanitarian, you know, I think being able to to get something to you quickly, especially after a natural natural disaster, is incredibly important. And and I could go on and on about all the different benefits and all these different industries. I mean, you've got news gathering and mining and inspecting railroads, inspecting bridges, any kind of infrastructure. You know, farmers using drones in their fields to instead of walking a field to look for damage after a hailstorm or looking for areas where irrigation may be poor, they can put a drone up in the air and 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 have have NDVI sensory imagery, all sorts of different types of of kind of mapping where they can immediately see what's going on in their field. Public safety's been using this technology for a long time. They're good for traffic monitoring. Um, from a security perspective, using a drone to monitor a facility such as a prison or you know, a pharmaceutical plant or a nuclear facility, there's so many different great use cases where drones really, they're, they're a tool that can create efficiencies and they can reduce costs and they can save money and save lives. So it's whatever the limits of the imagination are, uh, this isn't just some funky little happy gadget. This is a real flexible, viable tool that's going to be sustainable, I can imagine. I just, again, I keep bringing the parallel to when they were thinking about the first airplanes where they were used before they were carrying passengers, they were carrying letters, and they were probably limited to about 30 or 40 pounds worth of letters that they could carry uh, at, a, at a time. And now you think about what FedEx delivers in a single day. And I, I think that this is just amazing. Now, there's going to need to be, you know, some kind of break, a couple of breakthroughs, both on a regulatory and a developmental stage to really get this a little bit more mainstream. And there are a couple areas that they may not be on the cusp of that, but what are the things that we should look out for that if, if these things change or if these things get solved, regulatory or otherwise, then we're going to see things open up wide. Yeah, so there's there's a handful of really kind of near-term pending things that are they're going to help. And then there's obviously some other longer-term challenges that we need to overcome. But uh, last year, the FAA reauthorization bill was passed. And there were, I think, yeah, I, I don't remember how many pages, but there were pages of provisions for the FAA around integrating and enabling UAS technology, drone technology. And so the FAA has now has their hands full with all these tasks that they need to complete. But the first and probably most important thing that the industry needs to see now is remote identification. So a couple of years ago, the security agencies, DOJ, DHS, and others were very concerned about the clueless, the careless, and the criminal actors of flying. And how do you identify the difference between the two or between the three? So if, if it's, you know, you're talking about a sports stadium where somebody's flying near a sports stadium or an airport where somebody's flying near an airport, take Gatwick, for, for example. We've all read, read those news stories about drones flying around Gatwick and the millions of dollars that were lost because the airport had to shut down. So was that the person that was flying? Was it just, you know, a kid that's out flying with his dad just for fun as a, as a hobbyist? Maybe, maybe not. Is it somebody that's clueless, that's out there, just doesn't, uh, doesn't understand the rules, or is it somebody that's criminal? And as of today, there's not really a good way to identify any of the drones that are in the sky. Yes, there are some apps and some things that are kind of baked into some of these drones, but it's not a, a formal process. And so to be able to move forward with any of the other expanded operations that our industry needs to see, the remote ID, whatever remote ID is going to look like, whatever the, the rule is that the FAA kind of comes up with, that has to happen first. And that is a critical piece to satisfy 
the U.S. security agencies and the FAA. And so that is, is the number one thing that we're waiting for. Kind of secondary to that is I've, I've mentioned expanded operations a few times. The law now permits commercial operations of drones, but it's very limited. So you cannot fly beyond visual line of sight of the drone. So you have to have your eyes on the drone at all times. You can't fly over people. You can't fly at night. And now some of these you can get a special some special permission from the FAA to do, but it's much harder. And for a lot of the operations, you know, the industries that I just mentioned, you know, if, if you're a real estate agent and you're just flying over a house, you can stay within visual line of sight, not, not fly over people and, and not fly at night. So you're, you're probably fine. But if you want to monitor a big pipeline or a railroad, then you need to fly beyond visual line of sight. And so we're waiting on some rules now to enable those expanded operations. And one was just open for comment, which closed this past, uh, this past Monday. It would be operating over people and operating over people in a moving vehicle. And so the way that the rule is crafted by the FAA is it's it's very it's it's going to hamper the commercial drone industry if it passes as is. Not being able to operate a drone over a person in a moving vehicle is a non-starter for this industry, and operate the restrictions around operating over people is it's you know there needs to be more research and testing that's done because it's still very restrictive, and so those are some rules that we're waiting to see how they change in order to enable this community. I, I mentioned the security concerns. You know, that's that's a big issue for the federal government. But it's not just about remote identification. It's also about this new industry that's kind of sprouted up. It's called counter drone technology or counter UAS technology. And so think about a baseball stadium or a football stadium. You know, they like to use drones to film practices and eventually maybe even film games. But they don't want drones flying into their stadium when there's a mass gathering, when there's a game going on. A drone was just flown into Fenway Park the other day. And so, you know, this counter drone technology potentially could kind of help curb some of those careless, clueless criminal. But the authorities are very, very limited in the in the industry to use that technology. So that's something we really need to see develop with the FAA and with Congress to figure out how do how do we let more than just a few federal agencies utilize this technology? How do we we allow private companies to be able to use it? And then the fourth one, and, and these are, you know, I think remote ID is the, the most important, but the fourth one is it's called UTM, the Unmanned Aircraft Traffic Management System. So it's, it's basically virtual highways in the skies for drones to fly. It's like air traffic control for, for commercial aircraft, but it's at low altitudes and it's all automated. And so NASA and the FAA have been developing this for years with, you know, a couple hundred industry partners. And, you know, I think we're getting closer to see some implementation of UTM, but this is what is going to help our industry have all this this operation. It's going to enable delivery. It's going to enable beyond visual line of sight and operations over people. It will be this automated system that will help all of this. And it's, it's designed, it's meant to be designed in a way that if you're flying from point A to point B, you get your coordinates. If a medevac flies into your your route at some point in time, you're automatically diverted. So it's it's meant to be this automated system that's very safe, that's really going to enable this technology and, and this industry to grow. It's just, you know, we're still waiting for that to be implemented. Yeah, you not only do you not have pilots in the in the uh vehicles, but then you're it sounds like you're not going to have people in the air traffic control system or all the automated, which you'd have to do with the with the volume of uh of of vehicles out there then under this UTM. Exactly. The current air traffic control system that the FAA uses is very, it's one of the safest in the world for 
for manned aviation, but think about adding millions of aircraft to that system. It's just it will be impossible for the FAA to be able to to, to monitor all of that in addition to manned aviation. That's amazing. The idea of all the different uses for the drone uh, brings up the idea because for an M&A conversation we're having today, drone is a very interesting topic and people might be thinking, yeah, but how does that apply to tech and how does that apply to to us in M&A because you know we're we're not necessarily in the aerospace industry or 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 the flying industry uh, you know how is this going to be applicable and i just think that there are a variety of different technologies that drones are using right now that open up opportunities for all kinds of uh innovators and um you know you you're talking you're talking about the UTM and the counter drone technology you you can probably flesh that out a little bit, but what other types of technologies are, are necessary for this industry uh, to, to grow? Well, and, you know, I think when a lot of people think of drones, they just think of this little small toy aircraft that's flying around in the sky. And, and it really is, that's, that's the shell of it. And there's plenty of companies that are developing the hardware, but it's really the brain's in the drone, that's the most important thing. So you've got you know, the sensors. There's a variety of different sensors depending on what types of what your application is, whether it's agriculture, construction, mining, you know, whatever it might be. There's you know mapping technology that's being developed, communications infrastructure technology. Yeah, you know, the the software that kind of the navigation software to be able to automate how you get drones from point A to point B. You know, I mentioned remote ID. There's lots of different companies that are developing technologies to kind of satisfy what remote ID might look like. Um, obviously, talking about UTM, I mentioned there's about 200 partners that are working with NASA and the FAA to develop this. I mean, this is it's a it's a lot of it's software. It is multiple layers of software that are going into what this UTM structure will look like, and we're we're kind of at step one through a program now that that several companies have developed kind of an app where you can kind of where you can get notifications and authorizations to fly in certain airspaces but that's step 1 and so there's all these layers of software and technology that need to go into a UTM system uh you know insurance companies are automating drone insurance for how how you know operators are able to obtain insurance and then again counter drone technology which is similar but different. There's a lot of different technologies that are being built into how counter drone technology is going to work. I mean, basically, it's, it's, air, it's airspace security is what counter, counter drone technology really is. So there's so many different areas within this commercial drone space where innovators can develop different software layers to kind of fit into whatever these different applications are. And they're all very different. And so there's so much opportunity. And, and we see startups that are developing these, these types of technologies every day. There's a lot of opportunity to get into this space and start kind of helping craft what the future of commercial drone integration is going to look like. Well, I think also is if there's the creation, again, from nothing comes something, uh, Lots and lots of new applications and new developers on that. We've got to figure down the road, and again, the focus on us is, you know, looking how it applies to M&A is that there are going to be a lot of M&A opportunities. Uh, give, us, give us, from your perspective, what you're seeing on the M&A front uh, with, within the drone sector. 
Sure. So I think we're going to continue to see increased activity in M&A, including in this year. You know, back 15 years ago or even 10 years ago when these commercial companies were just starting to get into this space, you know, there weren't that many companies and they were mostly startups. Now you're seeing big name companies like Amazon, Intel, IBM, um, Google, Cisco, AT&T, Verizon, Ford, Mercedes-Benz. Yeah, and all these, these companies that you wouldn't think of as being in the drone space. And all of them are starting to develop something around commercial drones. And so, you know, Intel, for example, has acquired a couple companies to kind of help with their what their drone solution is going to be. Uh, Google's done the same. You know, Verizon's done the same. They're, they've acquired a company called Skyward, which is going to help them be a player in the UTM space. And so I think we'll continue to see more companies interested in commercial drone technology, some that you may not even think of today that will be interested in developing some sort of drone program. And instead of going out and building your own hardware and software, which which hardware is hard and the software, a lot of it's, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that have been very, very successful in, in what they've been able to develop. And so I think we'll see a lot of kind of strategic uh, M&A coming. And then, you know, we'll also see, unfortunately, we've, we've seen some companies that have failed in this space. And I think we'll continue to see that. You know, I mentioned counter drone technology. That's kind of a newer part of this industry. And, you know, two years ago, there were probably a dozen counter drone technology companies. Now there's over 200. There's over 200 systems that have been developed around counter drone technology. And there's just not, you know, it's just not as sustainable to have 200 types of technology out there uh, in the counter drone space. So I think we'll see a lot of consolidation in that space as well. And we'll probably eventually see more consolidation in UTM as we get closer to private industry being a supplier of this technology with the federal government and with the users of that air traffic management system. I think we'll see more consolidation there to kind of build in all those layers under one company. So I, I think I think this industry is very ripe for just an increase, a, a large increase in M&A activity. It's, it's it's been one of those industries for so long where it's, it's just people are developing. There wasn't a good roadmap from a regulatory perspective. So some people were developing technologies that may not fit. Now we have a pretty clear roadmap, even though it's moving slowly and it, it has its own challenges. I think we are at a stage where the, the industry is becoming more mature. And, and so we will be seeing a lot more M&A activity. I think it's early mature and it just will continue to go. And I think the biggest beneficiaries uh, throughout all this is going to be the public, uh, yes. the consumers, because we'll get, you know, finer uh, working uh, finished finished uh, products here that are uh, both safe and reliable and uh, less and less expensive to operate as, as time goes on. So that's that's why, you know, American business does the, uh, as well as it does. Do you have any predictions for just what's around the corner from the industry or any trends uh, that, that you see coming that we should keep an eye out for? Well, I think the counter drone space is really interesting. Like I said before, there's limited authority. So the only a couple agencies within the federal government are allowed to actually use the technology. But there are things in play to create some new rules to allow for private companies to hopefully get approval to become a user of that technology because I think that's very important. I mentioned before, you know, from a security standpoint, using counter drone technology around any anywhere there's a mass gathering or an amusement park or some sort of critical infrastructure. 
you know, I think counter drone technology is an area that we're going to see a lot more development and something to watch. And then just, I think the commercial drone industry as a whole and all the different, all these different amazing use cases that we can find benefit and you know, save money, save lives, create efficiencies. I think, you know, the industry is moving slowly because of the regulatory environment. And I know it's sometimes that is a concern to investors. So this is not an industry with quick returns at this stage, but we know that it's coming. We've, we've seen the value that they, they, this technology provides. And I think if, I think if people just hold on a few more years, we will see more commercial operations and those returns will come back in and there will be uh, a lot more M&A. A lot of startups I know are developing technologies simply to be acquired by, you know, a customer or a strategic partner or something like that. So I think, you know, this is coming. And even though there's a lot of challenges, you know, our team and the work we do are, you know, we're in Washington, D.C. all the time talking to the regulators and the federal government to help kind of reduce these these barriers. And, and we're going to get there. We are going to get there. And so I think it's really important to keep an eye on this space from kind of commercial operations of drones to counter drone technology, even urban air mobility, kind of the air taxi industry, which is similar but but different to commercial operations of drones. But, you know, all these areas are, are I think, are fascinating areas and, and they are coming. And it's going to be a place where I think investors, investment bankers really need to pay attention to. Well, as you mentioned this is a we're just scratching the surface of this topic and we didn't even get into talking about the types of investors funds fund managers uh opportunities things like that uh, i think we're going to leave that to our listeners uh that if they've got a particular question like that i think they can direct that to you directly gretchen how can people find you well they can find me via email at gretchen.west at HoganLovells.com. That's H-O-G-A-N-L-O-V-E-L-L-S.com. Thank you very much, Gretchen, for, again, it's it's a catchy uh, topic, but it's also uh, right on point with what we want to do. So uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, have a good afternoon. Thank you. You too.